This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Toink. What's Toink? Toink is your online source for cool costumes, trendy toys, and hot collectibles. It is an amazing, eclectic online toy store. Hey, we checked them out at one of the conventions, and we reached out to them and said, we love the selection of neat stuff that you have available. Check it out. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Toink, T-O-Y-N-K. Simply click on that link, surf around, and you're going to find some cool stuff. Using our link supports the show and gives us a little cut of your spend at no extra cost to you. So definitely go to Toink, find something neat, and support Nerdcognito. Now, on with the show. Hey there, hi there, ho there. My name is Ryan David. Thank you again for tuning in this week to Nerd Cognito. I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, Thanksgiving was good. Thanksgiving was good. You know, Bert and I were talking off the air, and we originally said, oh, what the hell, we're just going to do a nano nerd cognito this week, because there's nothing to talk about. And through the magic of editing, ooh, we are recutting this opening, because we actually cut for a nano, and what happened, Bert? Well, we wound up going down the rabbit hole and talking and talking. Forever and ever, and it ended up being a full episode anyhow. So, uh, my Thanksgiving, eh, it was bittersweet. I have a a sad, sad story from Thanksgiving that, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I was going to tell it on the air. I was going to tell you off the air, but we didn't get to it before. So what the hell? Here goes. Uh, you know, we went to um, the boss's mother's house because she lost her father earlier in the year and we didn't want her to have Thanksgiving alone. So right. we did I all mean, that. that Everything sense. was fantastic. Everyone had a really good time. And the boss's mom lives just about 40 minutes away from my grandmother, who is 95. God bless her soul. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't often get a chance to visit her. So me and the little man packed up and went to visit Granny. And uh, and in our hour visit, she had no clue who I was. So, oh, yeah. That uh, is kind of sad. She uh, called me her cousin's name a couple of times and her long-dead brother's name often. Uh, but she she totally recognized my son. And immediately understood and knew who who he was, uh, had no idea who I was. And so that one that one really ripped out my soul because growing up, you, you know this, I, I had just as much maternal influence from her, if not more than than from my mom because my mom was was working up and coming yuppie. So <laughs> right, uh, right. I pretty much my mother figure was my grandmother and it it was a big big shock for her to to talk about me in the third person to me so uh, how's that for a thanksgiving story let's talk about some games man how was your thanksgiving 
I was okay. Uh, you know, we stayed close to home. My wife invited a friend who doesn't have family in the area. The three of us, you know, had a nice dinner. I smoked my turkey. We, you know, we had some pie, had a few cocktails, watched some of the World Cup game. You yeah, know, sounds good. Sounds good. I, I did invite Mikey to road trip it for Thanksgiving, and he declined, of course, <laughs> because that's a hell of a road trip. But uh, I, I know he was spending Thanksgiving alone. We've often done that. Whenever we have a friend that we know is going to be alone, no one should be alone. You should get drunk and eat till you're bursting with friends. Right. That's what Thanksgiving is for. I mean, you know. Any gaming over the break? Um. Yeah, actually, we got together and did some light gaming, uh, you know, over the weekend. We uh, played some simple stuff, uh, sequence and save the date, and, no. you know, just some simple games and ordered some shawarma. Nobody wanted to cook for <laughs> game day because of the, because uh, we just finished, you know, making the holiday sure. feast and all sure. that. No, we, I was planning on on having like a micro tabletop session, but I actually pulled the plug on it uh, on Friday just because I was, I was beat, man. I was emotionally spent from Thanksgiving and then physically spent from, you know, shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting those crowds is a nightmare on wheels. I was fighting them through a keyboard and I was still spent. So (sighs) it wasn't so hot this year. I was, I was rather, disappointed as i have been in the last few years with just nerdy black friday in general i i picked up a set of bias lights for our secondary tv that i wasn't really thrilled with um i guess the highlight is we got new handsets on our phones because you know the world can't operate without a phone tethered to your body now so (laughs) that's true uh (laughs) spend some bucks there but uh yeah not anything super spectacular. Did you do any shopping? Um, no, no. I I, uh, I did a little bit, but nothing major, you know. And most of the places I went weren't having any stand outside Black Friday specials. No, I think the days of people lining up at like one in the morning or even the day before are kind of over for the retail world. I was uh, reading a couple of articles that uh, retailers were sort of braced for impact or lack of impact, I should say, just because they did not expect the turnout. And uh, all indicators say that in about two weeks, we're going to have better deep discount deals from retailers scrambling to make their year than, than we will even at Black Friday. So... I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that some good stuff comes that way. And, you know, I tried to throw a handful of dollars out amongst our friends in the OSR because I know that uh, they certainly appreciate it more than the the big bad Hasbro. Hey, hey, speaking of the big bad Hasbro, I don't know if you were watching, but uh, there was quite a deep cut across the board on a particular Dungeony and Dragony line of books over Black Friday. Did you see any I of that? I did notice that. Yes. <clears throat> it's it's ugly and I know what those books cost wholesalers and I think it's safe to say that everybody except for the big bad Amazon was taking a loss on on those books. Uh, that does not bode well for the parent company, especially considering the fact that now we're what, seven releases in that did not meet expectations? <sighs> right. I mean, right now it seems like they're almost trying to liquidate that massive backstock that they have because 
things aren't selling. No wonder D&D 1 wants to get people out of books because there's no cost for that digital one, especially for a company as big as Wizards and Hasbro. You know, digital is practically free. Right. I mean, there's no production cost, no materials cost. All you have is, you know, the cost of developing the IP and, you know, prepping the materials. Yeah, and all you have to do is take a big shit on things from 20-plus years ago, and there you have it. Publish it in a book with some anthropomorphic animals and rainbows. And and, and you've got it. There you D&D 6th edition. Poof, there it is. Uh, <laughs> hey, that was gentle, Bert. That was gentle. Compared to some of your comments, yes, I agree. <laughs> we were going to talk about that for a segment, but I said everybody that listens knows that we're fighting for our youth and our, our nostalgia and uh, things financially and from a business perspective just from our side looking through that window. <sighs> it's not been a positive year for the big D&D. <laughs> No, it has not. I mean, you know, the question is, you know, where do they go from here? It seems like they're trying to please a certain audience and the audience isn't purchasing. Do they pivot and try to appeal to a different demographic of player? Do they uh, try to backtrack, you know, like... uh, I don't even know if they can. They might be in creatively over their head, especially when you look at the team that's put together for the current product. Um there's, there's sort of this this Hail Mary sort of idea that's been floating around the Twitterverse, which is, God willing, you know, the IP gets sold before it dies. And, and someone that legitimately cares about it, uh, you know, it's one thing to care about the bottom line. And it's the, it's the number one thing to care about, the bottom line. But now the bottom line's not even supporting them. I'm Without magic... Uh, Wizards segment of Hasbro is looking pretty ugly. I, I did read the last quarter. I'm not going to get into it because every time I talk financials, I ended up editing, editing it out of the podcast because I can just see people's eyes glazing over if I talk about a <laughs> quarterly report. But uh, no, it's it's not looking good. So yeah, welcome to the Ryan David sleep aid segment of our podcast. I'm <laughs> not, not trying to have that. Um, so as we were saying, we do have an abbreviated show this week. It's somewhere in between a regular episode and a nano because we have, of course, the news. And after the news, you posited this idea. Tell everybody what we're going to talk about. Well, considering the release of some new properties that are spin-offs of existing ones, I thought we might talk about spin-offs, good ones, bad ones, you know, what we think of the practice in general. And we certainly see spin-offs in all of the areas that we dig, right? We see spin-offs of course in TV and movies. Absolutely. Primarily, but there's spin-offs in in music, there's spin-offs in both tabletop and board gaming. So, spin-offs are a big deal and they certainly have been arguably a cash cow for the industry that's doing it if it's done right so we're going to talk about that after the news Uh, that's the most i had to say it that's the most positive (laughs) intro to the news i I, I, did, did you hear it the voice lifted up after the news let's talk about news what's in the news this week right oh we got a little bit of news um there wasn't a whole lot going on as we alluded to at the front end of the show, we we have a, a fair amount of news, but nothing that is earth-shattering or, or devastating. 
Uh, this week, uh, I stumbled across an article that really threw me back from a nostalgic perspective because it talks about eight defunct but beloved video game companies. Now, I'm not going to go uh, through all eight, right? Right. Oh, what the hell? We can go through eight. Yeah, why not? Lay them on me. I'll hit you with the company, and you tell me if you remember their title, okay? And uh, these these can go way back in the Wayback Machine, Bert. And some, okay. of, some of them are more modern, some of them are not, but uh, uh, Cynosis. Do you remember Cynosis? Yes. Wait a minute. Cynosis was... Uh, their big one uh, was Eraser. Right, 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 right. The... Uh, you tapping out? It's okay because I had I, I didn't it. remember. <laughs> but how about Wipeout, the racer? Oh yeah, and then other things like Destruction Derby and Colony Wars and G Police. I um, remember their uh, I remember their logo with that white owl. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's the studio. Uh that one didn't tickle the cockles of my heart when I read it. No, no. I mean, they had no. Nothing, that, no runaway hits, nothing that I remember, like, nostalgically. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one did tickle the cockles of my hearts because they only made three games, and two of the three I absolutely adored. The studio is Digital Anvil, but I don't know if you're going to know this because this was much more in the PC gamer realm of the world. No, no, that one I, I don't know. Star Lancer, Freelancer, Brute Force. Two of them were really good, being Star Lancer and Freelancer. <laughs> one being, well, one was Brute Force. <laughs> right, right. I assume that was the sort of flop, but yeah. I, don't, I don't remember playing any of the games. I wasn't much of a PC gamer growing up. We didn't have a computer until I was in high school. So I remember sitting back and playing hours of Freelancer, which is pretty much you in your spaceship buying and selling goods. <laughs> you can also, you know, blow people up and, and pirate some goods too. But um, next up is Pandemic Studios. Pandemic. Not to be confused with the chaos of the last four years. Right. And also not to be confused with the super popular board game. No, no, no. They they did have a couple of really good titles. Um, actually, I didn't even realize that the two biggest franchises that they had were theirs because they, they obviously released under a publisher that I immediately associated with them. But uh, Destroy All Humans and Star Wars oh, Battlefront was Pandemic. I love Destroy All Humans. It was just such a ridiculous game. It, it was. And they got sucked right in to the EA machine, and psh, done. Done, done, done. Mm. Next up on the list, I don't know, you know, you know my love of pop gaming media and how they oh, sure. can't ever stay on topic. Right. This is certainly not a gaming studio. It's a game store. Do you remember Funko Land? <laughs> I do remember Funko Land. Yeah, but that's been quite a while oh yeah that was i they died in the mid 90s right um i think i think fondly of electronics boutique and babbage's prior to that but more than right. i think of funko land and you know i used to get good deals on nintendo games at children's palace if you remember that 
I do remember Children's Palace, if nothing for the architecture of their store. <laughs> yes, they were ridiculous. Because they had the, the whole, they played up that castle motif. Um, sadly, Babbage's Elbow and Funko Land all got swallowed up into GameStop, and we know how well they're doing right now. So I'll move on to the next one, which is Radical Entertainment. For some reason, I always confuse Radical Entertainment with Shiny Entertainment. Radical Entertainment did a lot of licensed work, specifically in the 16-bit era. They did, like, an Independence Day, a Beavis and Butthead, Bay Bay's Kids, if you want to go really far back. Wow. Okay. Uh, and and terrible. Um, they also did Simpsons Hit and Run, which was like the Simpsons GTA. Didn't and, they do one of the Crash Bandicoot games? I don't know. It's not on my list for my notes, but they might have. They did Prototype. I think they did a Hulk game, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I mean, that they were... Uh, I, I don't remember any of their games being, you know, sort of runaway, had-to-play games, but uh, I do... Some of the titles you mentioned I can vaguely recall. Right, right, yep. Now, I know Mikey will know this one, but he's not here because he, he doesn't own a time-telling device. Uh, bizarre <laughs> creations, certainly not my wheelhouse or my go-to genre of video game, but, uh, they did project Gotham racing. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I'm not much of a racing fan. But... All I know is that like PGR pretty much died so that Forza could rise from the ashes. Right. And, and that's right. where it ends for me because like you said, I'm, I'm not a big racing game. No, I remember I had, you know, Gran Turismo and, uh, you know, things like that. But I don't recall. I never owned Project Gotham. Next up was my callback to Bioshock. So I just gave it away. It's Irrational Games. And while they technically still exist on paper, um, you know, the whole tragedy of Ken Levine <laughs> and, and success can sometimes just cause things to self-implode and that's that is unfortunately what happened with bioshock um they did do a couple of other games uh freedom force which was an rts superhero game i don't know if you played that again that's more in the, in the pc realm and they did a swat game and, and stuff like that didn't they rebrand recently they technically are ghost games now but oh, okay. they haven't really produced anything or even teased anything in the last five or so years so oh, that's kind of sad they yeah. did a good job with bioshock i'd be interested to see you know what they might come out you know with next but well, well we'll keep an eye on the radar for ghost games ghost games uh the last one i know you played i know i played the hell out of them too working designs <laughs> working designs made you know, tons of uh, games that I remember. They were the uh, king of the JRPG too, and the and the Japanese side scroller slash. I, I guess there wasn't really a genre name for it. Now, now we would call it like an action adventure game. Right, right. I mean, I guess it was technically an action adventure game. It it played. It was kind of like a cross between you know what you think of with like traditional like side scrollers and things like that and. Like they had RPG elements. Like I remember some of those sort of. I played the shit games. out of Popful Mail. Do you remember Popful Mail? <laughs> that one I don't remember. I had both Lunars though. I was gonna say uh, their biggie is is Lunar, the Silver Star story, right? 
Right, and the second one was Eternal Blue, and I had that one too. I sold uh, my Sega CD copy of Lunar years ago for like an out obscene amount of money. Uh, it was greater than five hundred dollars, but less than a thousand. For <laughs> I sold my PlayStation um, like special edition version that of uh, Eternal Blue that came with all of the different bells and whistles. Yep. To. Uh, as part of when I was raising funds to pay for my wedding. <laughs> I remember and it had I, the cloth map. Is that the one with the, the cloth map? The cloth map. It had the necklace that came yep, with it. Yep. It had, you know, but yeah, they did a bunch of stuff that I remember. Um, Vanguard bandits, Alundra, uh, grow Lancer, right. Was right. One of yeah. Theirs. Grow Lancer. I think, I believe was one of theirs. So, um, yeah, I was a huge JRPG fan, so I played a bunch of stuff from Working Designs. Working Designs, and I will say this: there, it, it was a lot. It's now a lost art, but their box art and their manuals were spectacular. They had foil stamping and textured paper, and just expenses that you would never, ever, ever see. <laughs> come right, again. right. I mean, they they had the uh, you know they had the sort of anime style artwork yep. and things like that. Like it looked like they were like uh, they they were produced. Like it was it didn't look like something that was just put together as an afterthought. Yeah, as long as you didn't listen to the English voice acting, everything was good. But, uh, Ooh, man, that that got rough. <laughs> it was it was not good. Um, but that is eight defunct well seven defunct gaming studios and one defunct gaming retailer <laughs> right oh you fuckers in the media drive me crazy oh can't tell one from the other no 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 next up uh imagine if warhammer was crossed with dark souls oh that sounds like a sort of a brutal uh well, in which way? Like, is it is it a uh, minis game with brutal death and, like, no <laughs> chance of survival? Or is it a video game with Warhammer characters and brutal death and no chance of survival? It is a tabletop-designed game called Necropolis 28 that sort of marries the two vibes together. Uh, it won Best in Show in the UK's South London War Games group, just last month and Ooh. they are taking a step out of the playbook of the developer that we talked about last time with the Venice war game that whose name escapes me right now. And they are giving away the beta rule book for free and inviting okay. players to create their own cardboard 16 by 16, I guess mini dioramas that the game plays within. Uh, it's got a low model count, small boards, and the opportunity for players to pimp on whatever level that they want. So we talked about skirmish games and skirmish games and war minis coming out left and right and all of them being expensive. And we have right. another one that we can point to that might be doing it the right way to break new blood into the scene. And that is super, super important. No one's going to break in new blood at a $500 price point. Hey. No, it's one of the reasons I never got into Warhammer. I knew guys who played it, but they had a lot more disposable income than I did. I kind of found out about it 
when I was just post high school, I was living on ramen noodle and I had no <laughs> money for minis, you know? Let alone a place to leave them up. You know, I, I used to be very good friends with a, a guy that ran a Warhammer group and he had a commercial space for his business, but it had like a 500 square foot just auxiliary space where they had the table and they could just walk away and leave their minis there. Wow. You know, so, it, you know... It was so niche, both in gaming perspective and situation, that it worked for them. But God, yeah, it, it's it's an investment in time. It's an investment in real estate. It's an investment in in money all the way right, around. Right, and you know, with your game collection, you have no real estate. I I'm out of real estate until the game room uh, reconstruction starts, which should be starting sometime in the calendar year 2023. It, we actually have a timetable to get it done and finished, so that's good. I, you know, yeah, absolutely. Been talking about revamping the cave for quite some time, but it, it's actually going to happen this year, so that's good. Anyway, Necropolis Twenty Eight, you can check it out. Um, very dark, very brutal, uh, but the price is right if skirmishes seem to be your jam. I don't know why, but for some reason, I love dark and brutal with role-playing games and, and you know, but video games, I, I just get frustrated with, like, Dark Souls and Elden Ring and things like that when it comes to playing them. I think about when I was, you know, young and, and playing video games that just required perfection. Um, Bionic Commando comes to mind. And... Um, <laughs> I, Silver Surfer comes I to mind. loved it. I loved it. And I would sit there and die 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 until that muscle memory was there to, to finally do it. And I went back when they released the Bionic Commando remake like a decade ago, right? Right, right. Um, and it's the exact same game, the exact same physics with pretty graphics. And I was like, how the fuck did I play the shit out of this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just losing patience in my, uh, you know, in my elder age. But we old Bert. We old. Yeah. We getting there. Uh, speaking of frustration from the decades, uh, Star Trek icon, the big man, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, has finally publicly said he has run out of patience for George Takai. Really? Quote, why give credence to people consumed by envy and hate? And Ooh. I just, I'm, I'm applauding Big Bill for this one. Because Takai has been, at least in my opinion, nothing but divisive for my entire lifetime. Look, you're not going to like everybody that you work with. There's always going to be someone that outperforms or outearns or in your estimation doesn't deserve what they get. You don't carry on a 50-year vendetta against them. <laughs> you know, uh, quote, it's like a sickness. George has never stopped blackening my name. These people are bitter and embittered. I've run out of patience with them. This comes after yet another headbutting moment where Takai went on the offensive. Takai, Takai. I don't care because I used to really like the character of Sulu. 
until the man behind it made his own visage so unpalatable that that I couldn't take it. I thought I thought George was hilarious on Howard Stern 15 years ago. Now it's just the same old routine, which is I'm gay. Good for you, George. I hate Bill. Good for you, George. I deserve more. Good for you, George. If it's not one of those three, he doesn't have much to say. So, um, you know. I don't know. I've always, I've always liked George Takei, but I guess if he was saying, you know, bad things about me, maybe I wouldn't like him very much either. Shatner, surprisingly, has never really addressed it. He's all, you know, he's had some offhand comments here and there and some dismissals, but he's never actually said, I'm done. And good for Bill, you know. I know that uh, he has a reputation for being hard to work with, but most top men, whether deserved or not, I'm not getting into that argument, have that reputation too, right? We were talking about uh, nerd counterpart Henry Cavill has that reputation. So um, I, I just, I don't understand how... This just has continued for so many years, and I get, I get it. Maybe saying something is going to stop it, but it's not going to stop until one of them's dead, unfortunately. And and that breaks my heart because I'm a Trek fan all the way down the line. So, absolutely, uh, whatever. Hey, you know AI is getting better. I don't know if you heard, Bert. I did not hear. Uh, is Skynet coming? Uh, we're getting there because there's a list of games, you know, that, that AI will now clearly almost always win, right? Right up through Jeopardy with Watson. Remember, that was uh, a decade or more. That was 2011. Uh, and now we're, we're teaching AIs how to play board games and it's uncannily good at things like Risk and Catan. Right. And, you know, the things that you would expect it to be good at. Um, we can add now, and this is where it gets scary, we can add diplomacy to the list where an AI is now defeating human players on a regular basis. Interesting. So diplomacy, the, uh, you know, the game that is based around like deception, uh, negotiating global policy, you know, <laughs> destroying decades-long friendships, uh, building alliances, backstabbing, all the good stuff. I really like diplomacy. No one in the Nerd Cognito group will ever play it. <laughs> they, they just. I think won't. I've only ever played it once, I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you have to really, really shelve personal feelings when you're playing diplomacy because you know. It, it truly, there are great stories. Google them. Uh, diplomacy just ruining years and years <laughs> of friendship. Um, <laughs> well, the AI agent Cicero is now crushing human opponents. It's even oh, using human stutter tactics and uh, backtracking thoughts. And uh, it's learned how to lie the way that a human being would lie. So, yeah. Yeah. Cyberdyne series, Model 101, coming at you. Yeah, now that you put that out there, a certain segment of our listeners are going to request for us to play Diplomacy. You know that. Right? I do know that, but I, I'm going to tell you right now, who it, it, don't even write it in, 
Uh, don't even call into the Nerdcognito hotline for it because the, the group will not play that game. There is fear in the group that playing that game will destroy friendships. And <laughs> I don't have that fear, but, you know, I'm a sociopath. I don't have empathy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Last but not least, um, we know Nintendo tends to vehemently defend their intellectual property as well they should. Sure, absolutely they do. We also know that they sometimes take it a little too far. Mm, we've seen that in the past, yeah. Well, Nintendo has now issued DMCA takedowns and threatened legal action against fan-made custom Steam icons that were released in the Steam community for their games. So huh. very, very pretty icons that users can choose to replace the default items. Uh, and, and of course, it's only uh, if they are loaded up as quasi-legally gray ROMs in Steam. Uh, so Nintendo's course was not to go after the ROMs because the ROMs are not being distributed through Steam. But the artwork was... And uh, they've issued takedowns so that that artwork can no longer appear in the Steam launcher if you have said emulator integrated with Steam. So, huh. interesting. It is a Nintendo, right? It, it, it's certainly in their wheelhouse. I'm not surprised when I read this. Um, I... Again, I would say go after the distributors of your ROMs, guys. Don't go after people that are making things pretty. Right. I mean, the uh, you know, it seems like, you know, are, are people selling these icons? Is there big money in them? No, like, it no, seems like a small thing to kind of nitpick yep, over. Absolutely no money in it. It's people releasing them um, for the, the Steam front end. So pretty much what it is is if you install a Switch in emulator either on your PC or on your Steam Deck. Uh, you can then load the ROM in and then have the artwork load in. Notwithstanding the legality of loading the ROM in, the artwork is just artwork. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think every content creator deserves to make money on their content. Of course, and Nintendo is absolutely within the rights of doing it. I just don't know if it's the fight that I would have picked. Right, right. Like I said, I mean, it, it, you know, unless Nintendo has a plan to release, you know, purchase icons, you know, from Nintendo for... Oh, they'll know, never do amount. that because this is effectively emulating their hardware, right? Like, yeah. To run I, the I game... that happening, yeah. Yeah, to run the game on Steam, you're emulating the Switch, and uh, that's just not going to happen. Right, it just seems like a it seems like a lot of work for almost no reward other than you know getting things taken down. Yep, I think it's it's and it doesn't really remove the content either. It just removes the picture. Right, <laughs> the content is still there because it's all local to whatever user chose to go down that route. So that, my friend, is the news for this week. Not a not a earth shattering news week by any means. I, I was no, stretching no. to find some news. Yeah, it seems like there's not a lot going on in the world uh, of you know gaming and 
nerdy goodness out there right now. No, no. Quiet time. Slow week, slow week. So, spinoffs, my friend. This was your idea. Right, right. I, uh, you know, I have a membership to Netflix. They, you know, hey, we have new releases. And one of the new releases they tried to throw at me this week was Wednesday. Did you bite on it? I, I'm yet to watch Wednesday, and I'm honestly uncertain if I'm going to. I am uncertain as well. The previews look interesting. The question is, you know, I, I can't tell if it's trying to be like a a teen drama or like a, a um, oh, like one, one of those, of those. Mis- mysterious school uh, sort of series, you know, kind of things. But the previews for it have me sort of quasi interested i might give an episode or two a shot but right. it got me thinking about you know so now here we have wednesday adams from the adams family separated from her family as a you know young adult teen, older teen i'm pre-teen? not sure i don't know all i know is uh, it's jenna ortega and that's my biggest reason for not watching the show <laughs> So it kind of got me thinking about, you know, spinoffs where side characters get their own series or, you know, we've seen spinoffs are big business. We've seen them from all kinds of different series and all kinds of different reactions, some great, some terrible. And it kind of uh, got me thinking about spinoffs in general. What, you know, what do you think of them? You know, what are some of the good ones that you've seen, some of the bad ones that you've seen? It just seemed like something that uh, sort of fit into our wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it does. I love spinoffs with the caveat that it has to be new. You can't be trying to reinvent the wheel, right? I, I think it's a great idea to take a familiar character and give them a whole different universe to play in. And, and okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point back to the granddaddy of them all. You, you know, um, I was raised... Primarily by my grandmother and a television. <laughs> so, right, okay. Um, so we, we got to go all the way back to All in the Family, right? And then the reason I go back to All in the Family, good old Archie Bunker, is because right. if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not going to look it up, I, I think it is the most spun-off show. It has seven. There might be one that, that has surpassed it by now. But I think All in the Family is the show that has the most spinoffs. But they have good spinoffs and not so good spinoffs, and they perfectly illustrate my point, which is why I go back to this one. You had the original All in the Family. So everybody knows good old Archie and Meathead arguing politics of the day. Um, Right. So let me see. If I can do this from memory, I'll be really impressed. I have it on my other screen to check myself, but I didn't read it because I wanted to be proud of myself for having stupid trivia knowledge of television. So I think I've got Good Times, Maud, Jefferson's, Archie Bunker's Place, Gloria, Checking In, and the one in the 90s that was the street address, 604 Hauser. I'm going to check. Close. 704. 704 Hauser. Ugh. Oh, bummer. Bummer. But yeah, that's that's all seven of them. <sighs> okay, so let's look at them in context. And 
I can feel people switching out now because I'm using an example from the 70s. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you are using kind of an old example. <laughs> but but it's a good example because Mod was the perfect spin-off. Mod was a very bit character in All in the Family, played by B Arthur, you know, the late great B right. Arthur. Right. Yep, sure. And she was the absolute reverse flash to Archie Bunker, right? Archie was a staunch populist set in his ways in the time of the days, sort of, I guess by modern terms, we would call it pig-headed bigot. Although I wouldn't call Archie a pig-headed bigot. Maud was a liberal, pro-woman, pro-change just knee-jerk reactionary. And the distinction between the two was fantastic, both in the original show and I was a fan of Maud as well, because it took that minor character from All in the Family and popped it into an entirely different world. Okay? Okay. And it worked. There was the familiarity and there were the callbacks to All in the Family but Maud stood on its own without All in the Family. And then you have Archie Bunker's place. Uh, okay. Yeah, that one was kind of rough. Archie Bunker's place is the opposite of that, where it's maintaining a primary character from the series and just trying to extend it and milk it and make you feel like you're getting every last ounce of Archie out of it. It was, I guess, good that you could see more of Archie Bunker, but the show in general wasn't a great show. So, eh, eh. Um, it wasn't original enough. Sure, okay. they, they took Archie out of his house, but they put him in his bar, and his bar became his house, right? And the continuity from the original series carried over into Archie Bunker's place after it had already run its course. So the, the callbacks and the familiarity with the, the characters, even though they're not significant characters is there, but you're creating new within the universe. And, and okay. that's why I like spinoffs. Now, what do you think about, uh, you know, my example, the first thing that comes to mind is what do you think about two series with crossover characters? Are they technically a spinoff? Are we talking me, like uh, an Arrowverse type thing here? Let, let me give you an example. Um, Star Trek Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You had characters like Warp that were developed in both series. You had characters like... Chief O'Brien, who started on the Enterprise and went to Deep Space Nine and became the, you know, head engineer. Would you consider that type of thing a spin-off? Because you do have characters that migrated from one series to the other. Or is that just sort of a separate story in the same universe? Like, do you consider that a spin-off or would you call that something else? I'm very torn on this one. Yeah, I, 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 I'm torn. I don't know because that one is. <sighs> Next generation is definitely a spinoff of Star Trek, 
So even though none of the main, none of the characters, yes, you know, are the same, right? Because we're taking something nuanced from the original series. In this case, it's the idea, and 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 popping it in. Do I consider Deep Space Nine or even Voyager a spinoff, or just something like the Marvel Universe where everything is happening in its own little bubble? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, here's one that I do consider. Okay. If you've watched Lower Decks, I consider Lower Decks a comedy spinoff because it definitely hooks in those callbacks to the the stuff that we saw in the original series, in Next Generation, in Deep Space Nine, in Voyager, blah, 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 blah. Now, using your own example, does that mean Picard is the new Archie Bunker's place? No, I like Picard. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I played devil's advocate for a minute. It's carrying on a main character just trying to extend his life. It is. Here's the difference. I think because of the time between the two shows, we cannot group it in as an Archie Bunker's Place thing because Archie Bunker's Place took place immediately at the conclusion of All in the Family. That's true. I, I just can't put Picard in that same wheelhouse because Picard is not trying to extend the life of next generation. Well, that's a fair assessment, I think. Yeah. So what other what other TV spinoffs? And then we'll talk about the other genres, too. Uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, obviously we've got, you know, all the Star Trek series. Everybody knows about all those. So, you know, there are a million of them right now. Some of them would probably be considered spinoffs. Some of them would not, you know. Um, <sighs> I, I, I sort of, of alluded other... to it, the Arrowverse before. But, sure. But by our Star Trek logic, does that count as a spinoff? Uh, no, I mean, you know, things are happening in their own little bubble and you've got crossover appearances, so I guess that's not technically a spin-off either. I don't know. I still think Arrow was the best of that batch, but The Flash is still going, correct? I don't know. I quit watching that. It got <laughs> I a, haven't been watching you. It got a little too woke for me. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say that the Arrowverse probably is more of our Star Trek analogy where it's stuff just going on at the same time. Okay. I can see that. Most of the ones that I can think of are older, you know. Uh, yeah, you don't really they, see, like, the traditional spinoff anymore. Right. Wednesday was the first one that kind of jogged my memory. I remember things like uh, Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. Exactly. Eagle was a spinoff of Buffy. Um, and those, again, fall into the same category where... It's not extending the original series. It's create. Look at Frasier and Cheers, right? Two completely right. different shows. Hey, Frasier's coming back. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer uh, made the announcement a while ago. Um, I was never a big Frasier fan. I'm a big Kelsey Grammer fan, but not a big Frasier fan. Um, but no, Frasier, Frasier's on, on deck to come back. We saw how well that worked out for Roseanne. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, did not go well. I loved know. Roseanne back in the day, and I loved the the reboot too, mainly because they they took the whole we won the lottery season and just pretended it didn't happen. <laughs> what about something like uh, Better Call Saul off of Breaking Bad? 
can't comment. I'm going to I'm going to get a, a tarnish on my nerd card here. I've never seen Better Call Saul. Oh, and, really? Okay. And I did not enjoy Breaking Bad. I made it halfway through the first season and tapped out. All right. Uh oh no, you're not a huge Whovian. I was going to say what about Torchwood up in Doctor Who? <sighs> yeah, again, Doctor Who, I I'm a little too sane for Doctor Who. <laughs> What does that say about me, Rob? I well, you know, we all have flaws, Bert. I love you anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Let's let's talk about uh, a, a different genre. We we see it in books now more than ever. Um, oh sure. I don't. Um, I don't even want to go down the novel route. The tabletop slash fantasy novel topic du jour right now is Dragonlance, right? Absolutely. Everything no, Dragonlance is a giant spinoff. <laughs> Right? You've got outside of your original. Now, Dragonlance is kind of a weird thing because now it's both. It's a spinoff and a reboot because it was originally a spinoff, but now it's a reboot of that spinoff, the new Dragonlance. Oh, I don't even know if I count the new Dragonlance. I'm talking about the old Margaret Weiss books. Right. The original <laughs> The original Dragonlance was a spinoff. We, yeah. Uh, you know, we, uh, yeah. Absolutely. But the, uh, you know, the, the, now you've got the new Dragonlance coming out. You know, Heroes of Crane and things like that being released. So, is that that's a reboot of a spinoff? I like, guess? Question mark. Uh, no, you mean Heroes of Kyren, right? Kyren, yes. Kyren, not Crane. Yes. Yeah, you know, no, Kyren. That that Wizards team uh, can't spell Crane if they wanted to. They're they're putting out tweets and and shit that says. That has the fucking setting misspelled. What does that tell you about their investment in the product? Yeah, I mean, technically, I guess we could say the same thing with uh, Spelljammer, right? Spinoff that became a reboot. Spelljammer being a spinoff of Dungeons and Dragons that became a reboot. Yeah. Right, yeah. And pretty miserably failed because what's the one thing you want to do in Spelljammer? Pilot a fucking ship. What's the one thing there aren't (laughs) rules to do? Pilot a fucking ship. (laughs) <laughs> not going to let that one go for a long time just because you know Spelljammer is where I cut my teeth so right I know you loved the original Spelljammer series I enjoyed the original Spelljammer series I mean I'm not I wasn't as obsessed with it as you were but I did enjoy it and you know it was really interesting to see there are no ship combat rules. There are no like, what 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 is that? I'm gonna I'm gonna get some shit from our OSR friends on this, but I was really hoping in the back of my mind that Spelljammer could bring me back into fifth edition, and it just pushed me even further away. So, uh, I I want to love Dungeons and Dragons, I really do, and it's just really hard right now. Uh, video game spinoffs, um, shit. There's a lot here. All yeah, we've got to do is look at Mario. Well, well yeah, they're all, all of those Mario ones, you know, absolutely. You know, Nintendo is famous for spinning off a character from Mario to Kirby to, you know. So what do you think is the best Mario spinoff? Uh, uh, let me think about this for a while, because just off the top of my head, I have one that popped in there. Considering my love for them, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, Super Mario RPG. Ah, that, Super Mario RPG was was good, and it was produced in tandem with Square. Um, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. My favorite Mario spinoff was Luigi's Mansion. 
Oh, interesting. I uh, remember that one. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion was was something that completely defied the genre. If I wanted to go side-scroller, I would say Yoshi's Island. But, um, no. Certainly not Dr. Mario. <laughs> no, 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 no. Super Mario RPG for me, for, for me, Luigi's Mansion for you, both, I think, are valid, successful spinoffs. Yes, yes. Uh, I did not play Luigi's Mansion 2 uh, because I don't know where the Switch is. The Switch is, no, I, is gone. It's lost in the abyss. Now, with video games, I think that we can exclude... You know, fighters that had crossover characters on their roster, things like I don't think Smash Brothers is a spinoff. I don't no, think Smash Brothers is a smash up, hence the right. hence the haha t- title. And and we can exclude sequels too. Sequels are not spinoffs. So Right, exactly. You and know, that's they're... why we run into this this gray area of is next gen and Deep Space Nine are they sequels? Are they spinoffs? Uh, we don't know. Right, right. It, it becomes very sort of the waters are kind of muddy there, as far as that's concerned. Well, spinoffs ended up. Uh, we we talked a lot of it. I talked a lot about all in the family. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. How about board game spinoffs? Uh, board games are tough because everything borrows from everything else. Now, it's not like it was back in the good old days. Where we had, you know, European games and Ameritrash games. Now, <laughs> now there's there's this weird mutant baby of all of them. So where even the most Euro Euro game has Ameritrash elements. Did you know that Ameritrash is a dirty term now to use in the gaming market? I did not. Yeah, the the great wise <coughs> Tom Vassell. Uh, started this several years ago and uh, said, you know, it's it's disrespectful. It's what it's fucking called. Get over it. (sighs) Anyway. Sleeping Gods has a spinoff coming with uh, airships. Is that a spinoff? Is that an expansion? That's an expansion. That's an expansion. What what about Ares Expedition for um, my favorite game, Terraforming Mars? That's a spinoff. And uh, the difference being that the Ares expansion for Terraforming Mars is its own confined piece. It doesn't, right. you know, integrate. It doesn't jive. It doesn't. It, it calls on the original flavor, but it makes things its own. That's that's where I could say Ares is a spinoff, and expansions are expansions. Fair enough. Expansions are, I, I guess, sequels, if we want to equ- use the same language that we used before. Right. I mean, you're looking at things like, you know, there are all kinds of discussions about, you know, things that are upcoming for Sleeping Gods, for Gloomhaven, for things like that. I guess the question on whether they're expansions or spinoffs is whether they're meant to be integrated, maybe, or not. Speaking of, Frosthaven is now in the possession of the Nerd Cognito group, so... Uh, that arrived yesterday. So, How's it look? Uh, looks big. <laughs> looks big. <laughs> well, Gloomhaven was big, yeah. so I expected it to be. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Well, look at that. We are at the the end of our time for this evening. So 
Uh, what we thought was going to be a short episode turned out to, to not be because you and I can prattle on forever and ever and ever and and have a great time doing it. So. Right. I mean, we, we do tend to get off topic. We wander sometimes. We do. We, we got so off topic that I forgot to remind everybody who our Checkmark Hero is this week. And as you know, it's Matt Barninger. Matt Barninger sponsoring the blue checkmark on the Twitter for the ladies that run the NerdCognito Twitter. Uh, we certainly support Matt and thank him for supporting us. Matt is a phenomenal writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R. So don't forget, you too can be the Checkmark Hero. Simply Venmo 8 bucks to at NerdCognito. It's the cheapest plug that you can buy from us. <laughs> Everybody loves being a Checkmark Hero. Um, we also want to take this moment to remind you to please, please, please keep those retweets flowing. Keep those recommendations going. Uh, we're growing each and every week, and we can't do it without you. We sincerely appreciate all that you do to spread the word about NerdCognito to get more ears on this voice. I mean, geez, I know that's a task, but <laughs> it is uh, something that we certainly truly and humbly appreciate. Also, make sure that you throw us a review on the podcast player of your choice and that you are following us and subscribed at said podcast location. Um, by subscribing at your provider, you'll guarantee that you do not miss a single episode of Nerd Cognito. Well, Bert, that's that's just about it for us this week. Um, anything oh, else yeah. you want to toss out there? We we ran long on on sequels and 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 spinoffs, and I went into the Archie Bunker rabbit hole. Right, right, and th that's the thing about sequels and spinoffs. It's easy to do once you. You know, there are some series that have so many spinoffs, side stories, and, uh, you know, crossovers, special events. It, it's kind of hard to keep track. Things not to ask Ryan to talk about. Classic television yeah. sitcoms or game shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't mention game shows because we, no. we would still be here. You know that. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, my name is Ryan David. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, I was joined by Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.